Let's get chilly. Hello and welcome back to Let's Chill, the official unofficial Minnesota Windchill, Minnesota Strike podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Jay. And I'm Kane. And with us today, we have Colin Barry. Colin, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Just had a really great weekend with Sub-Zero up in Ely and just got back home and excited to do the pod. Nice. Well, glad you can make the trek back in time for for recording. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Question. So so as the three of us have learned throughout the season, we've been messing up on names, evidently. Uh, so let's just get this out there. We've been calling Brett Bergmeier Brett instead of Bert, uh, <laughs> which he, he prefers Bert. Uh, sure. We on our last podcast with Keely Mattis, we were calling Brandon Mattis just Brandon the whole time, and we were all like, "That's kind of weird. It's not just Brandon." Uh, so for this next like thirty to forty minutes, what are we what are we calling you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question, great question. But uh, I'm just calling. Um, all right. I don't, really, I don't have any uh, super interesting nicknames or anything that get thrown around a lot. So calling works. Perfect. Perfect. That. That makes it easier for us. <laughs> now, now no one can tweet at us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so usually we start these with like a stall seven trivia question. So yeah, basically the premise is you got seven seconds to answer a trivia question. Uh, I have a trivia question about Colin that he he gave me basically on Instagram um, as we were DMing it to get this set up. Um, so I'm going to bring this to Jay and Kane if you guys can answer this question. What was Colin's uh, like summer internship when he was in school, bro? Uh, second Harvest Heartland. To say something at a hospital. It's very general. No, no, Colin. Do you want to share what your your experience was? Uh, yeah, sure. I think calling an internship is like super generous. Um, <laughs> I was just like. <laughs> Job. I worked on hog farms in Iowa. Well, mostly hog, like farms of any kind. Um, my dad like designs buildings for the company, and like once I turned eighteen, he was like, "All right, cool, you can come work for us now." And uh, they were just kind of yeah, like animals break stuff in barns, like gates, doors, siding comes off, stuff like that. And <laughs> I was like the guy. They were like, "Hey, go fix that." You know, come back when it looks like this. So it's like. All right, cool. Don't know what one of those are, but I'll try. <laughs> That's a great. That's pretty funny. And and how has that experience shaped you to be the ultimate player that you are today? <laughs> I mean, it's the disc skills, the disc skills that I picked up. As a <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, if if I was to actually try to attribute something from uh, like the field, it would definitely just be like the like gritty gritty long point possessions because a lot of the time the day got long um you know five o'clock came and stuff wasn't together and you just couldn't leave till it was right and, hmm. you know, long practices the and trying to enjoy the grind like you know i didn't really have a choice then and so it makes it a lot easier now to just kind of like click back into that mode and um like get things done sometimes very insightful <laughs> Jay, do you have a trivia question? Uh, yeah, so this is for anybody. It's about it's about Colin, but I don't know if Colin will know the answer to this question. Uh, how many career games has Colin played in the AUDL? A hundred? No, not a hundred. What? That's a great question. Twenty-eight. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like forty-three. Yeah, maybe like low 30s, I think, like 32, 32 maybe. Um, no, it's the actually, actually 48, so Jeff was pretty close. Hey. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Chasing 50. Pretty close get... there. Yeah, what are we doing for your 50th game? <laughs> I don't know, man. I guess that's your call. Uh, I'm, uh, I don't know. It's it's cool. Um. I hope we win that day. <laughs> All I want. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought about when those. I don't. I don't have a trivia question, by the way. So I'm just gonna pigeon some conversation here to sure. fill in the section of the pond for a little bit. I always wonder. You got those games like Brandon Mattis hit uh, 100 career games last year, right? Yeah. 
Like, imagine if they just got obliterated in that game. Like, what what do you do when you have like a historic game and you just drop the ball? I feel like that would be devastating. I, I wouldn't be able to handle the pressure. I mean, it wouldn't be fun. Uh, it what we try to do. I think a lot of teams try to do when things like that come up where, you know, whether it's a big game or somebody's big, like, uh, achievement like that, you just try to, like, kind of put that uh, off to the side and just kind of focus on the game itself and how that's going and responding to, you know, it's kind of a game of adjustments these days um, throughout the game. And so, you know, trying to get on the forward foot to, to kind of maybe – throw the first punch at an adjustment instead of kind of feeling like, okay, they took this away from us and, you know, now we need to do something to get our flow back. Like those types of little small goal focuses really help to keep your mind off of any of those like extraneous, like, oh yeah, Mattis is playing his 100th game today. We better, better figure out a way to win. You know, like that, that's not super productive to like the immediate goal. Um, super fun though when you accomplish it and then you get to be like yeah man like let's sign the pylon this was a huge dub like way to go 100 is uh, i mean that's literally over twice the games that i've played and i've been playing since 2017 so it's like it's a pretty tremendous achievement yeah that makes a lot of sense um okay so here's a couple more like i guess we can call them warm-up questions just to get you in the headspace of of your teammates specifically um, as so quizzing the captain kind of is what we're calling this so as a captain on the windchill. We're, we're curious to kind of test you out here. Um, oh. Most of them are going to be pretty stat based just to see what you know, but here we go. So who wore, here's an easy one. Who wore number 13 before you did? Pretty sure beef. That's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then he was, so did you choose that number then to to switch to thirteen? Um, yeah. So the the number journey has been an interesting one. I like historically, I've been a three. Like ever since, um, like little league baseball days, I've just like always been number three. Uh, like my my grandpa played like minor league baseball. He was number three. Um, and so it's just sort of been my number. But then you get to the wind chill and uh. You know, Bevon's got three. It's like I'm not going to take that from Bevon. Um, <laughs> I had thirteen in like twenty eighteen or something like that, um, and then I took a year off in twenty nineteen and lost my seniority to the number. And then beef beef is a is a thirteen, and it just like wasn't worth. I think I lost the point flip or something, and so I was twenty four. And then yeah, now I'm thirteen again, but. Um, yeah, it's like all about getting like those threes in there, you know. Yeah, interesting. I want to come back to this this grandpa being in the minor leagues. That's like a whole other podcast, but that's super interesting. <laughs> uh, back back to Chris and the captain. Uh, this season so far, who has the most goals on the season on the windshield? Goals. Yep. I think it's Bevan. Unless it changed in the last couple of games, it's got. I think it it was Bevan, so I, I think so. Uh, you got half of it right. He's actually tied with someone. He's tied with someone. It could be like Marco. It is not. It's uh, not. It's Quinn Quint- Snyder. Quinn. I mean, that was yeah. stupid. Somebody else than Quinn in the goal stat. Quinn. Quinn lives in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Then on the flip side, who has the most assists this season? Playing. so far yep yeah that's obvious <laughs> <laughs> okay and then we'll round it out most blocks this season most blocks i think it might be like bird it's not it's do you want to take a second guess yeah i don't think okay wait a second who does have the most blocks i should know this i don't think it's dylan it's not He's... dylan yeah um, I don't think it's Berglund. He's having a great year too. Um, yeah, I'm stumped. I can't think of a, who it might be. Who is it? Uh, Tanner Marcus. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah, he's been just laying it down, getting the blocks. It's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> okay, and then <laughs> question about Ben Feldman. What is his day job? 
Uh, he has like a, a various insurance type company that he he I think he and his brother own it together. Um, I can't remember. I, I think they're they're in um you know doing that together somehow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know him pretty well. <laughs> you know the team pretty well as, as a captain, as you should. Yeah, you gotta figure that blocks number out. Sorry, Tanner. Love you. <laughs> yeah, he's it's pretty pretty cool to see him like join the team and just like come in and wipe down offenses. Yeah, it's uh it's great to have him. I mean, he's been in the community, I guess, for a season now. He played with Dragon and he played with a ton of those D guys on Dragon. Um so I guess it like is not super surprising to me personally that he's playing well with them. Um I mean, it's just awesome to see him succeed. He works super hard. He's just a great teammate, so it's it's super great to see, you know, come in and just clean house. So going into focusing a little bit more on you now, sure. um, I'm very curious about, you mentioned this on Instagram too, and we'll get to some of the nitty gritty questions, but I'm very curious to hear more about you, like your background singing at windshield games. Um, like that's such a unique aspect. Like, did you ever think that you would ever consider going in more of like a theater or opera route or like teaching music at all? Or cause so for background, Colin would sing the national anthem before windshield games, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. In 2017 and 2018, I sang the national anthem. Um, and actually I did that because I was already a music teacher. Um, so I went to school for music. I went to Luther college for, for music and, um, just was, you know, opera was my emphasis from a performance standpoint and, um, you know, sang the national anthem at tons of events and you just sort of like as i came up it was sort of like a novelty fun thing that i was like a like a singer of um and like that was kind of my job so yeah i sang the national anthem for a couple of years and then um it was this, after 2019 now i ha i haven't since then but uh it's like kind of nice it was fun singing the national anthem like i like singing and it was like people liked it i think but it was a super interesting like whirlwind of a headspace to like run up like the, the wireless mic at seafoam didn't like work correctly so i had to like run up into the bleachers into the the press box and then sing and then like if we started on defense we would have to like wait to start the game for me to, like clink my way down the the like bleachers and then just like run across the track onto the field and then we just like pull in 30 seconds so that was like kind of while trying to get into the right headspace to just perform, you know, immediately on the field after that, like singing and ultimate are not exactly the same thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answered like your question completely, but yeah, that's hilarious. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I want to get, I want to get a performance at some point or a clip of, of you singing, but that is awesome. You went from performing in the booth to performing on the field in 30 seconds or less. Yeah. We got to do it. Um, so, oh, go ahead, Jake. Uh, so you had mentioned on Instagram that you used to commute uh, from games uh, from Iowa with Dylan DeClerc. Yeah. Do you have any fun stories you can share about those rides or like anything like that? Um, I mean, Dylan's just a like a pretty funny guy. So I, I like most of our our like road trips consisted of like pretty lively conversation the whole time. Um, but there's like definitely one story that sticks out in my mind is we like we're going to Chicago for an away game and one of our teammates his like girlfriend is from Chicago so she like sort of tagged along on the trip to like spend the weekend with her family and stuff and um we were going through this neighborhood that was just like not a super awesome part of town and we were like picking her up to you know go back our our to the to the team or something and um she like we called her and she was like, yeah, we're, I'm at this spot. Like when you pick me up, like don't stop the car. And we were like, Whoa, uh, that's not awesome. And so every single time that like Chicago comes up or something like that, Dylan and I always like make eye contact because it was just like, it was just like a, a very different experience uh, from like what, you know, we normally would have on a, on a road trip. And it was just like very novel. We were, you know, 20 early twenties, both of us, I think, you know, um, barely 21 so it was like it was yeah it was just very different and um 
like, oh, I don't know. It's not. It's slightly scary to hear that on the phone. And so it was like now. Now looking back, it's just hilarious to be like, hey, remember when that happened? Um, but yeah, weird. That's yeah. That's weird. <laughs> so now you live in the cities, right? In in Minnesota here. Yeah, I live in St. Paul. Has that affected positively or negatively, like? your commitment to the team or your approach to games, your, your availability, how has that changed kind of your game? Um, I mean, availability is definitely better now that I'm here. Like being able to, excuse me, being able to go to like Tuesday weekday practices is huge. Um, once the season starts, that's all the practice there is basically. So for, yeah, the first two years in 17 and 18, not having that wasn't awesome. Um, this is also the second time that I have been a captain of the windshell. I was a captain in 2018 uh, when I was living in Iowa. And so like, it's way easier to be a captain of a team when you live in the place that the team is. Um, so like, that's probably the biggest positive um, has been like, if somebody wants to talk about something, I, you know, it's like we can get together and go grab a beer or we can go get a meal and, and talk about something. And that is like, pretty important i would say based like in in my leadership style i'm like a pretty relationships heavy type of type of captain i like to think so i try to like keep an open dialogue with everybody um so it makes it definitely easier to like feel actually like a part of what's going on and and you know involved and all that stuff for sure yeah so when was like the time frame for the last time you were captain you said uh, 2018. Okay. So coming back now and doing it, how has that captainship changed? Like, have you noticed your responsibilities are greater now? Do you think they're a little bit more spread out? Like, how has the captainship evolved over that time? Um, yeah, great question. I, I would say like the biggest piece is that we have like a pretty stable and consistent like coaching presence right now. Um, like with Ben, Max and Kelsey, they've, you know, been around, they, uh, we've had them for multiple seasons in a row and that takes a lot logistically off of like our plate as the captains, you know, being able to, to say like to have them post like a perspective practice plan. And then we read it and say like, here is a tweak that I might make is very different from my last experience where like, Bill Bowen had coached the team in 2017 and it was like a little unclear what, our coaching situation was going to be going into 2018. Um, and then we didn't really, Erin Maraca ended up being the coach. Um, and she did not get like brought in with much notice at all. Um, I think we had multiple weeks as a team where the captains were kind of like designing, implementing, leading um, practices. And so I would say that that, that year it was much more um like you're super nuts and bolts you're in the weeds like whatever we're good at is going to be whatever we practice and so we want to make sure that we have like a cohesive view of what we want to be good at what we need to stop other teams that you know what do we think other teams are gonna be good at all that stuff um that's a lot of bandwidth and so i think the biggest difference now is like like Ben then was not the head coach, but he was a rostered player and the GM and the, and the partial owner. And so um, like he obviously had like opinions on what we should and shouldn't do. And he was at every call. And so like there was just a, a slightly less clear dynamic of like whose call stuff was when it was like, we didn't really have a coach. We did have a GM. We had three captains. I, I think it, it was, it was plain. Greg Cousins and myself that year. Um, whereas like to turn the page to now, there are three really clearly defined coaches. They are talking to each other all the time. They're communicating to us. They're planning things. And we are really more of like a, like a player liaison kind of um, like more of a player first leader, uh, like leadership member that's, you know, pulling strings, making calls, you know, who's on active 20, whatever, like, sort of second and um i personally like if i have to focus on performing on the field i like that freedom to just be a player and focus on my game 
focus on, you know, meshing in with everybody else. And it's a, it's a pretty good balance this year, I think, where I, I feel like it's a, it's a nice, um, you know, being a, being a captain is, is really, really fun this year. So I'm sure you have a pretty good grasp of just like the vibe of the team this year. Like, how would you describe what the team is feeling? Um, I guess just the season overall. And then also kind of second question to that is like, has that changed throughout the season? Like what is the vibe among the players this year? Um, I think it's a really positive social culture. Uh, probably the most overtly positive since I've been on the squad where everybody's just sort of in it together and like team success is team success and team failure is team failure. And at the same time, we're not like losing sucks. Uh, it's not fun, but we are, you know, that has, has not impacted so far the way that we interact with each other once the game's over or like, you know, during the game, if things aren't going well, we have have done a pretty good job, I think, of looking inward and being like, hey, it, things aren't going well, and it's okay to acknowledge that, but like, it's also our fault. And and if we're going to do something better in the future, it's going to be because of us too. So like, let's, you know, bear down and, and get it done. And that's a pretty good way, I think, um, for a team to respond to adversity. Uh, and, and the team also... Uh, like so socially off the field is um, like, we're all pretty good friends. A lot of us play on the same club teams, you know, it's like, um, like, I feel like most of the, of the male, male matching players on dragon are, are on the team. There's a pretty heavy sub-zero contingent. So like we've, you know, we all know each other. A lot of us have been playing for a long time and it's like a, it's definitely a fun, a fun group and a fun vibe. And, everybody kind of has their like different veins of humor. Um, and so it's pretty fun. Okay. Who's, I want to know who's the funniest on the team now, or like who's, who's getting the most laughs. <sighs> That's a really hard question. Um, because there's just lots of different like types of, of a character. I think like, like personally, I think that Mike Peterson is hilarious. Like most of the time that Mike contributes vocally to something, I think it's pretty funny um uh but like also okay no actually i think that the funniest person on the team might be like gordon larson gordon larson is hilarious um like i just spent the weekend with him up in ely and it's just like his timing his like little fragment of a conversation like latch on to make a joke about like it's it's all there he's hilarious um paul's got a lot of anti-jokes so like those are like just like egregiously not funny and that's its own brand so you know it's like there's a bunch of different characters it's really hard to pick like a total favorite um i think bert is also just like hilarious just him being himself is like he's just a character it's super fun um but yeah i know those are some some like definitely jokesters on the team okay every single one of those players he does list if you're listening we'd love to get you on the podcast how to get that in there <laughs> um so back to this like being the captain so you, so you mentioned you were a captain in 2018 and now it's different now so what do you like at practices how do you impact practices now as a captain um yeah i so like we're still involved in you know if we have a certain look that we need to explain that is maybe different than what we've done before and we're on the whiteboard um like everybody kind of has their own areas of expertise. And so if like what we need to talk about is something that like an individual player, uh, you know, if the person in leadership that is most suited to lead that um, talk on the concept or something is a, is a captain, then we still are involved in that X's and O's talk. Um, but largely a practice, we're just playing, trying to lead by example, um, compete every opportunity uh, give feedback to the coaches, you know, like if a, if a drill is really aggressive on the legs and we didn't anticipate that, like come over and be like, Hey, I'm gas. Like we might need to move on or shorten it or, you know, re uh, adjust what we do for the rest of practice because of, you know, the extra exertion here. Um, so yeah, I would say not, um, not as administrative, much more just kind of go get it done, try to be lead by example and, and, you know, 
set the standard for work ethic and try to try to live into kind of that. That's pretty cool. So as a player then, away from the captainship a little bit, like how does it feel returning to the team pretty much full time after missing a majority of last season? Like I remember we had we had grilled out in the parking lot of Seafoam last year and your parents had actually stopped by and said hey to us. And, oh, sure. and we we had a little interaction we're like, oh cool, that's Colin Barry's parents. And we're like, I can't wait to see him play. And I think that was the game that they had announced like your injury or like you're out for, for that game. And then I don't think you, maybe you returned for one game after that, but story aside, like you, you had missed a good chunk of last season. So how does it feel to be back pretty much full time this season? I mean, it's awesome, man. Like the, I think if you ask any player who plays this much, just in general, you know, just a lot of ultimate going on club, ADL, whatever, any, anyone who plays that much Frisbee, what the worst thing could possibly happen for your season is just getting hurt, you know, not being, not being able to do it the way you want to not being able to do it at all. Um, you know, the conditioning that you lose while you're hurt so that when you do come back, you know, and it's another on ramp where you got to get like back in the game shape. Like it's just not fun for anybody. Um, it's just amazing being able to play. So like, yeah, I was out basically the entire last half of, um, I think week five or something like that was my last healthy game where we we kicked the crap out of Indy. And then I don't think I played a full game until the playoffs. Um, and then I played like eight or ten points or something in um, the the Chicago playoff game, which is, you know, a lower point count than I usually have. So it was definitely an adjustment last year. Um trying to like stay engaged and be part of the feel like I'm part of the team and feel like I could help somehow, even like when I definitely couldn't do it with my legs. Um, it took most of the off season for me. This was my first like major injury um, in my career that like really sidelined me for multiple months. And it was a long off season of like slowly progressing rehab. Um, and it, being able now to like at the very beginning of the season, I was still kind of like, I wasn't bidding. Um, like my shoulder was my throwing shoulder was what I hurt in the um, playoff game against Colorado last season or not Colorado, sorry, Chicago. Um, and uh, so, you know, I like at the very beginning of practice, I still couldn't huck, it, you know? So it's like, it's, it's, it's a really freeing feeling to just sort of be able to go out there and like send it. And it, it's a lot of weight off of your, like, shoulders as you're playing where you're monitoring, like, okay, that disc is up. It's, like, a little far. Like, do I half bid? You know, like, can I can I roll over and, like, land on my back so that I don't hurt myself? Like, n that's not fun to have to process. So it's, like, just amazing to be able to, like, come in, carve out a role, try to, you know, try to do my role to the best of my ability and, like, not have to worry about, um, you know, what I can't do or, you know, those kinds of things. Right. Well, it certainly has been great seeing you play again this year. It's definitely a lot of fun. Thank so you. what has surprised you about the team or the season up until this point? Um, I think that the, just like the, the general goofiness and the vibe and that not necessarily like taking away from our on-field product, like in the past, we had like a lot of our more involved players were slightly like like just generally more serious people, more serious about, um, you know, like ultimate was was like sort of work first and, and slightly less uh, like hanging out with the dudes um, at times. And I wouldn't say that I like prefer one or the other, um, like when I was in college luther was a super super serious music program like i i was gonna have to miss regionals one year for like a super unimportant concert and then regionals got moved and and i was able to play but like that was the vibe there and so i i am fine with that and like it's it's really fun to you know be goofing around and then when it's time to take it serious we take it serious and then the game's over um and like like after after the Chicago game uh, that we lost in Chicago, we were like eating pizza by the vans in the parking lot, and um, I like look over and 
Sam Berglund and Bivon are like trying to entice these like seagulls to come over and like get into our group by like offering them these little pieces of like pizza crusts. And Bivon is like throwing this pizza crust in the air, trying to get like this bird to like like snatch it out of the air. And it's just like that. That's like a you know that's a a great way to distract yourself from a loss that we felt like we could have definitely um, won that game. And so it's a uh, it's nice to just like have a goofier stand like baseline so that then like when things go, go wrong and we're less goofy than usual, we're still like kind of goofy. It was still like fun. Um, so. That's awesome. Were they successful in getting those birds some pizza? I'm like pretty sure that the birds snagged some pizza out of the air. I don't recall who threw it. Um, maybe we yeah maybe, maybe we'll need to like do some investigations into into the, <laughs> do the pizza crust but i'm pretty sure a bird like snags them which is pretty awesome that is pretty sweet <laughs> yeah uh, of those two who do you think initiated the trying to get seagulls to come and eat pizza sam berglund um i went so i went to college with sam berglund um we we first started playing together in 2013 which is like 10 years ago which is wild um but yeah, he's like a super goofy dude. Um, him and I have been friends for a really long time. And I, I don't know, I'm pretty, pretty sure that Sam got really excited about these geese or not geese, uh, seagulls and, um, were just started, started doing his thing. Um, so you mentioned you'd, you've been playing with Sam for a while, but this is your first year playing with him on the chill, correct? It's my first time playing with him since college. So 2015 was the last time that I played with him because up here, um, his club, his club time has been with Dragon Thrust and I've been playing for Sub-Zero. So we haven't really played together as like, you know, a, a, adults, if you will. Um, so, yeah, it's awesome to be like kind of reunited. It's, we, I love playing with Sam. He's great. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, there's actually a lot of new pieces to this wind chill roster. Um, so let's talk about that depth. Obviously, it's really good on one hand because it means that when you need a fresh line out there, you can kind of piece it together after a long game. But it also comes with a little bit of inconsistency with those lines. So where do you think the pros and cons are with having such a deep roster like the one we do have? And how has Minnesota been approaching that this year? Yeah, interesting question. I like that. So the the depth piece, you know, I mean, it feels great to have a team that has been able to, you know, keep piecing wins together uh, as we've had sort of like a revolving door. Like that one, I think our home Chicago game, we didn't have a single like general O-line rotation. Like Clayne, Abe, Cheetah, and Will Brandt were all gone. Those are like our four, those are our four, rotation uh o-line handlers and so then we had i think it was tristan tyler and then um becker was our three backfield presences and you know we were able they threw the disc a million times that game and and we were able to to get the win and i mean that feels great being able to to lean on your depth in like a, a pretty bright lights type of moment and have that have them grow and step up to the plate is really huge, right? Like those are the opportunities that make players grow because they are being pushed outside of that comfort zone. And those opportunities don't always arise, right? Like how often do you see like in sports in general, you know, like a, a standby player just occupy a position forever. And then, you know, the, the person that fills those shoes, there's just lots of question marks. Right. Um, so we don't love the reason those opportunities arose, right? Like if I could pick to just not have Abe get hurt or, you know, not have Will come back from D3 Nationals with any injuries or, you know, have, you know, cheat a schedule in life, generally keep him around. Like, yeah, that's definitely what I would pick. But since that's happening, um, I mean, it's just great to see those guys come in, step up, not be scared, uh, like, a lot of those guys too are pretty veteran players, you know, like Berglund coming across and handling the disc a lot for us on offense. He's 28 years old. Like Tristan has been 
around Sub-Zero. I've played with him, you know, since 2016. Um, so, like, even though these guys are Tyler spent time on Sub-Zero. Um, so, like, those are kind of my personal connections. And I think the other people that are sharing the field with these newer pieces also have their own separate set of, like, tertiary connections that make it easier to, like, slot those people in, you know? Like, uh, guys have strengths. And so when, like, Tyler, for instance, has really great breakthroughs. So when Tyler slots over, it's like, okay, we're going to attack the break space, like, a little more aggressively to utilize that skill set. Um, so it, uh, I don't know, I guess I started rambling a little bit there, but it's it's really a positive thing to have the depth um, step up. Hopefully we get our pieces back and then they're able to go back, you know, play defense and then be at the helm for possessions later and, and have their experience that they needed to step up for really aid them in their consistency on the other side of the ball, you know, less pressure. Uh, but at the same time, you get less defensive opportunities. So when you do get the, the turnover, you really need to make sure you punch it in. Um, so hopefully the, um, you know, the injuries aren't ideal, but hopefully we're able to turn the, the experience that everybody got through that injury process um, into a better thing, you know, later in the season when we have everybody back. Yeah. So then I guess as a player, like you've been playing a, a lot of defense, but now this year you're seeing yourself more on offense. Um, I guess I haven't looked at your, your actual splits, but I know, I know that you're been kind of transitioning to offense. Like how has that switch been for you? Uh, it's interesting. It's totally different. Um, in the sense that like in the past, uh, when we get turns, like the guy that I'm, I'm guarding, I used to guard like usually people's big scary guy. And then when we get the turn, we want him running. And so I would generally like, you know, we usually play vertical stack in my, in my time on the defense. Uh, and I would come off the back and then we just run. Um, and it's it's different now in that you know my role is very different because i used to you know when i was playing defense i was i I even had sort of differing roles and depending on what year it was um i was a lot more of a backfield presence kind of more helping facilitate i would say in the last couple years for the defense this year on offense i'm trying to stay out of the backfield right we're trying to utilize my height, my, um, you know, potential mismatches when you've got Bevan and Quinn pulling generally defenders one and two, you know, I'm, I'm pretty tall. And so if guys, you know, you, you obviously you're going to put a really great defender on Quinn. And so then potentially I'll have a mismatch. And so we're trying to keep me down gaining yards, um, you know, maintaining possession. I haven't done a great job the last couple of games there. I need to really pick that up. Um, but that's much more my job now is to is to gain yards, keep it alive. Um, when I do catch it in the second layer of the defense and I have, you know, Bevon or Jordan Taylor or Marco, uh, Will Brandt, you know, like any of those guys that are really great matchups. If I'm able to throw to a one-on-one, then I try to hit the one, you know, try to hit that isolation shot. But, um, you know, that's super different from the way that I played on the defense. All right. So looking to your your upcoming games, you know, you have Madison, then Indy, then Chicago, and then Detroit. So, I mean, other than that last game, it doesn't really look like that easy of a schedule for you guys. Uh, So what's your strategy? What's your plan? How are you heading into these games? I mean, I think the biggest thing is you have to take it one game at a time. Uh, Anybody can beat you and you do not want to get caught looking to the next week um so i think you know when you have a double header you're doing kind of like simultaneous prep because you don't have time between those games to like create a new game plan um you know you kind of have to go in pretty well prepared to the weekend um but like yeah we're not other than keeping an eye on like the availability attendance grid we're not thinking about those those second and third games at all. We need to beat Madison. We need to beat him in Madison. That's a really hard thing to do. Um, that's a pretty rowdy crowd. That's consistently 
uh, a place that is going to create a lot of pressure with the environment. And so we can't, um, you know, we need, we need to win this game. We, we now have the, the same number of losses, I think, and less wins than Indy. Um, so we, we gotta, we gotta get it done. We just gotta win out. Right. And, and we, we need to take it one, one game at a time. Um, we only play Indy twice, like logistically, we only play them twice. So there's not really a season series to take. Um, so like if we have the same record and we split, then that tiebreaker looks very different. If we're able to take, um, or I guess there is a sing- a series to take, but there's not a third opportunity to do it, right? You just have to win both of them. Um, like that would be huge. We need, we need to, uh, our goal is to be the number one seed for the central and host a playoff game to go to championship weekend. Right. And so we are in a, advantageous position in the sense that we control our own destiny but also we can't afford to drop one so we have to really zoom in each opponent and take them one at a time yeah that makes sense um kind of stepping out away from the winter a little bit like i'm very curious if you have any like predictions or opinions on the detroit mechanics this year like they've they've brought a few pretty strong opponents to just a couple points like I want to hear, do you think that they can end the streak this year? I mean, yeah. So we, when we went to Detroit, like there was a moment, I think it was like late third quarter or something like that. I think we were up 14, 13. It was like tight and we turned the disc over and I think it might've been like a short field or something like that. (laughs) And that was not a great moment. Like we, I think we, (laughs) out and, or something like that we got it back and we were able to punch it in i i don't recall exactly what happened in that instance um for the resolution of that but yeah that was like that was like oh boy we are in we, you know the pressure's on we got to get this thing back and that's not usually how you feel in the past few years um in the middle of the third quarter against detroit they their offense looks way better than it has in the past years they're they're in my opinion um, that was the best Detroit team that I've played since being in the league. Uh, you know, they lost by one to Indy. They were only down by three to us going to the fourth quarter. I have no idea if, if they're going going to win. I don't want to, like, jinx it. I feel like if I if I speak anything right now, then I really – it puts a lot on that last game for us. And, yeah. you know, they they're going to do their best to put together complete games. And and for them, I think they feel like they're one complete game as a team away from having a win. So we have to make sure that we we have a better complete game, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, as an Ultimate fan, it's been really fun to watch this storyline this season progress with them. But yeah, like as a Winchell fan, it's like you do want to, yeah, tighten up that game. But I don't know. They're, like, I, I romanticize sports. Like, I'm a big baseball guy. I love the Cinderella story, but they're not quite a Cinderella story this year, but yeah, I mean, for we do, we do love Detroit games. Like when yeah. we, that they were tight with Indy, we all whipped out our phones, started screaming. Um, yeah. you know, every time they play Pittsburgh, uh, in the, you know, historically that's been a great matchup for them. And so, you know, you tune in and you, you hope it, you hope, you hope they, they do it against someone other than you, you know, because yeah. like, they're going to win a game, which is how it is. You just really don't want to be on the other side of that particular uh, L, right? Right. Okay. I think I I just have one last question, kind of like a nice wrap-up question, unless the other two have any. But if you could give like one word to describe the team this year, like what what would you say, how would you describe the team this year in one word? Interesting. Um, it's tough. As you guys get to know me better, you'll know that Brevity is not my strong suit. Um, let's see. I think from in multiple ways, I would say so far responsive. Um, we've come out poorly in multiple games. It hasn't always bitten us. You know, there have been times that we've been able to pull it, uh, you know, even the, um, 
the Chicago game that we lost, you know, we battled back and we were, we were within a couple going into that fourth quarter, you know, it felt like a game and then we quickly made it no longer a game. Right. Um, but responding to those things are the thing that separates you from, uh, you know, the competition and you, you can't hope that things go great all the time. That's just not the nature of sports. It's not the nature of humans doing things right people make mistakes it's how it goes but then like what you do next or how you're able to leave it in the past and look forward those are the things that are going to like separate you from the results that you want um you know like a moment is standing out in my mind uh, i was talking in the huddle going into the fourth quarter our last madison game and we had the exact same score going into halftime as the first time we played them and the first time we played them, we promptly made it a one goal game again and, and gave it, uh, you know, gave them a whole new breath of life and had to really scrap to take the game from them in the fourth quarter. Uh, we didn't want to do that again. And we came out and we, we played the third quarter and it didn't. We c- came with great energy, but we did not execute in a way that, that kept the momentum we wanted rolling. And so going into that fourth quarter, it was like, I think the the theme of the talk was like, Hey guys, like we went out there with a goal to put the pressure on them and widen the margin. And it just didn't happen. And whether we like that or not, that has already happened. And so we need to put that in our pocket and say, okay, we tried it and we did, we gave it our best shot and we weren't able to do it. If we focus on us and let the scoreboard take care of itself, I think, that we'll be able to do what we want, right? Focus on our game, play the way we want We want to play, the, no, the way we know we can play, and then let everything else fall into place. And, I mean, our D went on a huge run, right? Like, our defense playing well for three of those four quarters was why we won that game. They just had great tenacity. So, I think responsive. That is it. That's a really good answer. That's really... I, I love the kind of the behind the scenes of, like, what is what is said in the the huddle and just like the, the headspace of the players quarter to quarter, like I, the minutia, you know, it, each quarter is a game in itself sometimes. And totally. That's really, that's really cool to see. I, uh, JK, you guys have any other last questions? No, Colin, do you have any questions for us? I mean, we've, we've really loved having you on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, how, uh, how, how long have you guys been coming to windshield games? Like, have you, did you start the podcast shortly after discovering the windshield or has it been like brewing? What's the inception there? Um, so, okay. There's kind of a weirdly long history. We can go like way back. Like in short, we very randomly picked up a disc one, one day, like summer of 2016. That's when we started like really getting into the, into the sport. Fast forward a couple years. And then we heard about the windshield. I don't think we got to a windchill game until 2021, I think was our first official windchill game. Uh, I think we only, I only went to one. I think these, you guys went to a couple. Um, and then, so then 2022, we were like, yeah, let's, let's go out. Let's go big. Cause like the, the fans were fun, but like, I was like, we could, we could really make this an experience, <laughs> you know, like it's a little quiet in the stands. Totally. Uh, so, so we were like, okay, if we're going to show up to games this year in 2022, like we're going to, we're going to bring the signs, we're going to bring the energy. And so then we did. And like this podcast, then basically to and from windshield games was pretty much us. Like the, the podcast that we have now, the articles that we write now are pretty much what we've talked about just in the car. Now we just have a mic in front of us. Sure. So, yeah. It's been really fun to get to get to interview some players and like get more insights and like round out the way we talk about the game and like yeah because there are times where we we say something that's just like wrong and like tucker will be right on it's like well actually i think this is probably a better way to look at it like yeah that's that's true because you know the team you know the sport way better than we do but we're still still learning how to talk about it so sweet that's really cool i love the like it's nature of that right like "Ah, we already talked about all this stuff we might as well do it with the mic and making content (laughs) it's gotten some some pretty good engagement i think so i think i think people are starting to like it but you know i read all your stuff i think it's fun i think it's super cool 
the idea of like a third party, you know, it's like observing the wind chill and, and, and making, you know, this is, this is what I see. And like, as a player, sometimes, you know, you talk about stuff we're bad at and it's not like super fun, but you know, you gotta, gotta cope with that. Right. Like you, it's, it's, it's going to get brought up if people, when people care about what's going on and something's not going great, like it's going to get talked about. So you, you gotta, um, you, know, you gotta roll with it. Right. Well, yeah. And it all comes from, from that place of passion. Like I, I'm, we're big baseball fans and, I read like the twins daily. Uh, sure. They do articles and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like that totally makes sense. And sometimes it's negative. Sometimes it's positive, but either way, it's about the team that I like and I enjoy watching whether they're winning or losing. Like, and so I was, yeah, kind of the same thing with, with the wind chill. Like, yeah, you're not going to win every game and every win's not going to be the pretty, but there's something to talk about and it's interesting then. So. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's like I said, it's been so so great having you on. I feel like it's been a couple of months of us trying to line up our schedule. So glad we could finally get it figured out. Yeah, totally. It, it's it's uh, it's fun. It's I I'm glad that it worked out because like I don't know the first time when you mentioned it, I like I, I talked to my mom a lot and I like it, it mentioned that you guys uh like you know wanted to do an episode and then she's like, oh, I want to watch it and then it, she's like, when is that going to happen? And I was like, I have no idea. Honestly, we'll figure it out when it happens. Yeah. Uh, but, to make it happen yeah definitely uh and just just for you i think we'll post it probably probably tomorrow i don't know what the fourth of july but so you can let your mom know as soon okay. as possible it'll be out probably july 3rd <laughs> but sweet, um, sweet. all right yeah and again for, for all of our listeners uh just want to thank you all for listening for following us along um definitely encourage you to keep up with the wind chill as they close out the season hopefully in in a good seed hopefully first place but again don't want to jinx it just in, let's just say it, let's a good playoff seed um we'll be at every most of the games going forward um and of course this episode is presented by the r1p1 network they've been doing some great work with our thumbnails and all of our social media graphics for these episodes so thank you to the r1p1 network um and we will see you uh on july 9th at seafoam stadium when colin barry i'm assuming you're going to be there yep. uh, and the rest of the windchill uh, take on the Indianapolis Alley Cats for first place in the division. So we'll see you there. And in the meantime, stay chilly. <laughs>